Welcome to the Elite Business Academy podcast, the favorite show for business owners and entrepreneurs to get their weekly fix of motivation and knowledge. Discover powerful strategies on how to build a successful business and techniques to create a positive life. And now here's your host, motivational speaker, business coach and founder of the EBA, Craig Wilkinson. Welcome to the Elite Business Academy podcast. My name's Craig Wilkinson, and I'm going to be our coach throughout this coaching podcast. I'd like to say a massive thank you for you investing your time into listening to this podcast, and I'm going to be sharing with you my 10 steps to becoming an outstanding and great leader. The first thing I'm going to ask you to do is either grab a notepad and pen or get your tablet or your smartphone open because I'm going to be asking you to make plenty of notes from this session. Are we ready? We've got everything to hand. We're ready to rock and roll. Then let's get started. The fact that you are listening to this podcast in itself suggests to me that you are a leader in some way. Maybe you are leading your family and your family rely on you to become the head of the family and the strong person that people turn to in a crisis in your family. Maybe you are leading a community. Maybe that be a church community, even a Facebook community or a community like mine, the Elite Business Academy. For others, you might be leading a sports team. You might be the head person or the captain of that team Or I'm guessing that you may be a leader in your business, whether you are leading your business, your employees, your subcontractors, your freelancers, and they look to you as the captain of that ship, as the leader to become the best at what we can be. Now, I can tell you that over the 25 years I've been in business for at least half of them, the first half... I wasn't a great leader because I got no leadership skills. And like anything in business and life, we learn by our own mistakes, we toughen up and we get to learn new skills. So what I'm going to share with you now are my 10 steps to what's made me, in my opinion, and in my members' opinion, a great leader. I'm not saying for one minute it's the be all and the end all. And I'm sure that you will be able to add some steps onto these yourselves. But these are the leadership skills or traits that I believe I've got and what people tell me I've got and how I've been successful in my life and in my business right up to today's point. Six months ago, I got a request on LinkedIn to connect with a new contact. So I connected with them and they sent me a direct message that went down the route of something like, look, Craig, we've, we know of you. We've been keeping a tab on you and the Elite Business Academy. We are a, a, almost like a secret group of business owners uh, that meet up on a quarterly basis and we'd love to invite you to come as our guest and speak on the topic of leadership. So after a number of conversations and a little bit of digging around to find out a bit more about this group of businessmen, I accepted their invitation and they invited me to a large country manor house in Derbyshire where I went to speak on the topic of leadership. So on the day of the event, I drove down to Derbyshire. I found this stunning, massive mansion house where this big country house where we met. I pulled up in the car park next to this huge fountain 
I walked across the gravel car park. I went up these big stone steps to a massive entrance where I was then met with the guy that I'd met through on LinkedIn. So he took me into the, into the house itself, took me into this specific room where he then introduced me to the other nine fellow members of this secret type of group. What materialized from those introductions was that all 10 of these businessmen were all high powered, high flying, very, very successful business people that all had businesses that worked within the corporate industry. We were then escorted to the room where the meeting was taking place. And as I approached this room and the doors flung open, I just saw this huge circular walnut table with these big grand Tudor style chairs that we were escorted and ushered to. And then we sat down ready to start the meeting. The person chairing the meeting was a huge, big guy. He must have been six foot three. He got big silver grey hair and a big grey beard. And he set the agenda. The agenda was all around leadership. That's what the afternoon was all around. We all made our brief introductions and then he introduced me as their guest speaker for the afternoon. So the chairperson kicked off the meeting by asking us a very simple question. And this is a question that I want to ask you as well. So get your notepads and your pens out. And the question was, describe the word leader in one word. So you've got one word to describe the word leader. Write it down. We all started scribbling down. And I'm thinking, hmm, this is interesting. I wonder what the others have, have written down. So one by one, the chairperson said, right, OK, I want you to shout out the words that you would describe as leader. And these are some of the words that I wrote down. This is what they shouted out. President, dictator, boss, pioneer, lion, captain, controller. Ruler, superior, and manager. That's what they describe the word leader as. So, what have you written down what you have described the word leader as? Because at this point, they said to me, Right, Craig, what have you written down? And I was a bit apprehensive at this point because what I'd written down was nothing like what they'd written down. So come on, Craig, what have you written down? Now, I'd written down the word warrior. Let me say that again. I wrote down the word warrior. They said, that's interesting, Craig. How would, what do you mean warrior? And I said, well, look, you know, when you're running your own business, regardless of how big or small you are as a business, you know, you've got to go through the mill, you, you get some battle scars, you've got to learn by your mistakes. Business can and is tough. And therefore, I believe that you have to become a warrior and you've got to, you, you've got to battle your way through to get those scars and get that wool on your back and get that experience. But then we learn from it. So I would describe the word leader as being warrior. So the chairperson then asked his Second question, which was, write down 10 attributes that a leader must have to become a great leader. 
So I'm going to ask you now to write down the exact same. I want you to get your notepad and pen out and write down 10 attributes that you believe, and there's no right and wrong answers in this, that you believe an, a, a great leader has. What attributes does a great leader have? Just write them down now. So the chairperson, again, says to us all, right, I want to share, I want you to each share the 10 attributes that you've now written down. And we'll go around one by one. And these are just some of the attributes that these other leaders came up with. Now, I'm not saying they're right. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just giving you examples of what they came up with and how different they were to mine. They came up with words like, Change management, conflict resolution, vision, mission and goal statements, creativity, human ability, teamwork, self-awareness, integrity, etc. Now, at this point, I'm looking down at the 10 things that I've written down and I'm thinking, we're miles apart here. Maybe I've misunderstood the question and it's my fault that I've wrote things down that don't even come into that vocabulary. I mean, conflict resolution, I get it, but does that really make you a great leader? So I asked the person who said conflict resolution the question, how does conflict resolution make you a great leader? Because I think I'm missing something here. And the look on his face suggested to me that he wasn't very happy with me challenging him over one of his answers. Now, this gentleman is the director of a hugely successful pharmaceutical company based just on the outskirts of London. And he'd already been telling us how many hundreds of staff he's got and the millions and millions, tens of millions of pounds worth of turnover that they've got and how they really struggle with their leadership within their organisation, within their company. So he said to me, Mr Wilkinson, let me give you an example of what I mean by conflict resolution, because clearly you don't understand it. I said, go on then. He says, we have an employee that has worked for our company for 13 years. We've taken that employee out of the role that he had and we've promoted him to a managerial role where he's looking after a department of 27 people. He's now been in that role for 18 months and that department is now losing X amount of millions of pounds. The morale and the motivation of the team that he's now working with has gone down. Three members of staff in his team have now left because of the, the manager, the leader's attitude. There is a conflict resolution between him and their team, and that causes us a massive, massive problem. So that is what I mean, Mr. Wilkinson, about conflict resolution, where we've got somebody in a managerial role, in a leadership role, who can't fulfill their role and their job and their skill set, and is now having a detrimental negative effect on the bottom line of our business, and not only that, on the team that he's working with. He then paused, he took a deep breath, and then said, okay, Mr. Wilkinson, seeing as though you are challenging me 
on this. I would like to know how you would deal with this situation. He said, because we have brought in one of London's finest and most expensive HR companies to sort out the fallout and the hassle that's been created by us putting one person in a position of leadership that's now caused mayhem. How would you deal with that then, Mr Wilkinson? I paused. I took a deep breath and I thought about my answer. And I said to him, I think you're, with respect, I think you're missing the point here. You've got a situation that's out of control that needs dealing with now. What I would do is I would look at the source and why that happened in the first place because clearly that person that you put into that managerial and leadership role should have never have gone in in the first place. So it's not about the fallout and the the battle and the catastrophe that's happened after. What I want to know is what's happened. Why did he get put in that position in the first place? Because clearly he shouldn't have been put in that position. I said, so... Did you disc profile him before you gave him the job or that role? And he looked at me and he went, no. So you didn't disc profile him? No. Okay. Did you VAC test him? Visual, auditory, kinesthetic, NLP. Did you VAC test him to find out exactly what his learning style was and would he fit in with the other members of that team? No. So you've taken somebody on based on them being there for 13 years, put them into a position where they've got no leadership skills, you've not disprofiled them, you've not vac-profiled them, that's your problem. That's why he's causing aggro and, and anarchy in that department because you and the managers at your level have not done your job properly. So it's not his fault, the fault and the blame lies with you. And then I shut up. And then it all went quiet. And then he dropped his head. And I thought, I'm in for a barrage of abuse here. And then he lifted his head up. He took a deep breath in and said, do you know what, Craig? You're right. We didn't do any of that. We just presumed that because he was such a great employee in the department that he'd been in, and he was generating results in that department, and he was a loyal employee of 13 years, we automatically thought that he could do the job and the role. He said, so you're right, so the problem is not what we've got now, the problem is our managerial and leadership skills up front wasn't good enough to identify the right person for that role. Craig, you're right. He then sought clarity, and I suppose a little bit of backup, from his fellow nine members that were sat around the table and said, you know, do do you agree with Craig? You know, is is it our fault? And each and every one of them said, absolutely, it's your fault. How can an organisation as big as what you are make a simple mistake like that that's now causing you so much aggro and grief and lack of profits? You're losing money. On that note, the chairman turned to me and said, right, Craig, Are you happy to share your 10 attributes? I said, yeah, of course I'm happy to share them. I just want you to know that mine aren't anyway, they're not like yours. Mine are different. I may come from, you know, we're all in business together, but clearly my upbringing and my background has been different to what yours has been. So I've got different experiences. Therefore, my 10 are different to yours. Do you want to hear them? 
And they all went, yeah, yeah, we want to hear them. Tell us what they are. So now you're listening to this podcast and you've got your notepads and your pens out. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Before I share my 10 rules, as I call them, I'm going to be asking you, after each one of the 10 rules, to rate or score yourselves between 1 and 10 on how you feel you are as a leader in my in one of those 10 rules. So in other words, if you feel you're poor in one area, it might be a 1. If you think you're outstanding and you can't get any better, it's would be a 10. So each time I share one of these with you, I'm going to say, right, out of 10, how would you rate yourself? What I'm also going to do is I'm also going to give you an example of a famous person that I believe has got this rule, this skill, this leadership attribute so that wherever you are listening from within the world to this podcast, hopefully you'll know the famous person and you'll understand exactly what I mean by that particular skill set, rule or attribute. So let me take you back to the walnut table. We're all sat round the table. I've got a big glass of water. I took a giant gulp and I thought, right, just go for it. Just tell them whether they like it or not. They've invited you here today, Craig, to listen to you. Clearly, they've invited you for a reason. Just give it to them. And if they like it, brilliant. If they don't, well, it's tough. So here is my rule number one. This is exactly what I said. Number one soul and passion. That's exactly what I'd written down. Soul and passion. Listen, as a leader, we have to have some passion, some fire, some motivation inside us that needs to come out. Other people need to to be influenced, to to be motivated by the passion that we've got for our business and for our employees and for our customers and our clients. And if we've got no soul and if we've got no passion that's leading this this animal, this business that we are creating, then what is the point? People will not follow a leader if they are not passionate and they've got no soul about their business. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate yourself as having passion, fire, motivation, purpose, why inside you that gets you fired up that other people can see and that they're engulfed in in that passion and they want to be part of your business. On a scale of one to 10, one being not very good, 10 being off the freaking scale, write down your passion. Now, a person, a world famous person that I believe has got passion in everything that he does. He might not be the most charismatic of people, but the virgin boss himself, Richard Branson, is passionate about what he does. Whether he's flying a hot air balloon, whether he's trying to fly a supersonic jet, whether he's got Coca-Cola, whether he's doing his holidays or his mobile cell phones, the guy is passionate about what he does. And that is what I'm talking about. Rule number two, self-confidence. If you are going to become a great leader, you have got to have confidence about you. I'm not talking about you being cocky or arrogant or having an ego. I'm just saying that you've got to have some form of self-confidence. Because if you're not confident in yourself, 
if you're not confident in your ability, if other people will see straight through you and they will look at you as being a weak leader. And if you've got some strong customers or clients, if you've got some strong employees, subcontractors or freelancers, they will exploit your lack of self-confidence and they will pardon the language, take the piss with you and your business. So we have to be confident in our ability to, to run and lead this business. So on a scale of one to 10, when it comes to self-confidence, how would you rate yourself? One being low, 10 being the high score we can get, rate yourself on being a confident leader. Now, a confident leader that I would expect most people to know of would be somebody like Simon Cowell from X Factor. Simon Cowell, in my opinion, some people call him arrogant, some people call him cocky, some people say he's got a huge ego, maybe, but you cannot dispute the fact that this guy oozes confidence and I can't imagine anybody taking the piss with Simon Cowell. Rule number three, you have to become a great listener. Great leaders listen. Not only do they listen to themselves, but they will take counsel, they will take advice, they'll take help, they'll take support off other people that have got some credibility and a reputation and that have been there and already done it. They will take counsel from them and they will take information and knowledge on board to help them grow themselves and also their businesses. A great leader will also listen to their team. A good leader will have regular meetings, brainstorming sessions with their team to give their team a voice on how they believe the business or the culture in, in your business can be improved. And a good leader, a great leader will listen to other people. They'll not think they're a know-it-all and it's my way or the highway. They'll listen to other people, even the apprentice, even the cleaner in the company gets listened to. Because a lot of the times, these people can see things that you can't see. And by being a great listener, you can take on board their information, their knowledge, their suggestions and whether you choose to run with them or not doesn't matter. But we have to be a great leader that listens to other people. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate yourself as a great listener? Number one being, you know, I'm not very good at listening. I don't really care about other people's thoughts or suggestions. It's my business. I'll do what I want to do. Or are you up there in 9, 8, 9, 10, where you have regular sessions and take counsel from other people and you listen to what they say? Now, I would suggest that somebody such as Oprah Winfrey is a great listener. When you look at Oprah Winfrey's story and life story, what that lady's had to overcome is nothing short of remarkable. She must have had to listen to peers, 
to people, to guide a coach's knowledge in the right direction to become one of the most influential females on the planet. Look at her on her talk shows and her chat shows, how intensely she listens to her guests and the communication on them chat shows. And that is why she's so good. I believe that Oprah Winfrey is a great listener. So now I rattle the first three off and I pause and I come up for breath and I get my glass and I have another gulp of water and I look round and all the other 10 are making notes. They're scribbling like, like it's going out of fashion. And, I'm, and I look at them and I say, is everything okay? Do you want me to continue? Yes, Craig, yeah, yeah, this is great. Come on, keep going. So over to my rule number four. Rule number four is accept you are going to make mistakes. As a leader, I always used to think that every single decision I made had to be perfect and it had to be the right one. And I used to beat myself up badly about getting decisions wrong. And some of these decisions I've made in the past have been costly in terms of time, investment, money, and even sacrifice that quality time that I should have been spending with my family. But I now know that You're never going to get the right answer and make the right decision every step of the way. Now, if you're a good listener, like in rule number three, you can take as much counsel to make an intelligent decision to make the right decision. But often the decisions that we make are the wrong ones. We cannot beat ourselves up if we make a wrong decision decision. Accept that you're going to make mistakes in business. You're going to pee a lot of people off. You're going to upset people. You're going to make people happy. It's all a learning curve of being a leader. So step number four, accept you're going to make mistakes along the way. It's how you deal with the mistakes once you've made them that counts. So on a scale of one to 10, How are you when it comes to making mistakes? It's okay to make mistakes, but do you beat yourself up? Do you not make decisions because you're afraid of mistakes? Maybe you're number one, number two, number three. Or are you happy making decisions? Do you accept that mistakes are going to happen, not just on your own part, but on the part of your team? Are we going to beat our team up every single time they do something wrong or make a mistake? No, we're going to encourage them to make decisions even if they're not the right ones because it's the only way we're going to learn and they're going to learn. So a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate yourself as a leader when it comes to making or overcoming and supporting risk-taking and mistakes? Somebody who made mistakes that we've all heard of and where would we be right now without him continuing with making mistakes? And that is Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison, the guy that supposedly invented electricity, supposed to have failed 900 and odd times at building a light bulb. Eventually, as we now know, he cracked it, he got the magic formula. What would have happened if he'd have beaten himself up after the 20th attempt and and never found electricity? The planet, the world, the globe that we now live in today would not be the same place. My rule 
Number five. Stop procrastinating. Great leaders do not procrastinate for a minute longer than they have to do. They do not sit on the fence for hours and days and months and in some cases years like a lot of business owners do. A lot of business owners procrastinate about decisions that need to be made, little decisions, big important decisions, and it's this procrastination that drives us insane, number one, but it also holds us and our business back from growing. It's the lack of ability and faith and self-confidence within ourselves that stops us from making a decision. So great business leaders make decisions. They do not sit on the fence. And whether that decision's the right one, like we've just covered in step number four, and they make a mistake, they don't beat themselves up. They take the learnings and they move on. But a great leader has got to stop procrastinating. We are never going to grow ourselves and our businesses. We are never going to help support and grow other people if we are constantly sat on this fence Shall we do it? Shan't we do it? Is it the right decision? Is it the wrong decision? Listen, just make the decision and get on with it. And if it's the right decision, brilliant. If it's the wrong one, take the learnings out and crack on. But stop procrastinating over decision making. So when it comes to procrastination, where are you on a scale of one to ten? Are we down near the bottom half? Do we procrastinate too much? Do we sit on that fence too much? Is it taking us too much time to come to a decision that's holding us and our business back? Or are we like me? You take on all the all the information, all the knowledge to make an intelligent decision on whether that's the right, on, on whether we're going to make the decision or not. But at the end of the day, make the goddamn decision and get on with it. If the consequences are it's the wrong one, deal with it. If the consequences are it's the right one, then you've made the right decision and you've moved to that next level. Now, I believe that a great decision maker, someone who didn't procrastinate too long, and this is not getting into religion or, or, or partisan towards countries or anything like that, but coming from, from Britain as I do, Winston Churchill who was our Prime Minister at the time of the Second World War, had a big decision to make. Did we continue to fight the war to reclaim back Britain or do we give up, raise the white flag and let other people invade us and take us over? While everybody were advising him to wave the white flag, he didn't procrastinate, he made a decision and looking back now, it was probably the right decision that he made. So I believe that Winston Churchill is a person who didn't procrastinate. He made a decision and he got on with it. My rule number six. A great leader has got to develop a thick skin. So what I wrote down, develop a thick skin. What I mean by this is very simple. As a leader... You have got to make sure that your armour, that your skin is thick enough to take some negativity, to take some arrows in your back from people that don't necessarily agree or like what you are doing. 
Now, this could be from family members, it could be from competitors, it could be from customers and clients, it could be from an angry member of staff. But if you're anything like I used to be, I used to take everything personal in business. And I used to come home at evenings, sometimes almost in tears and upset because somebody has said something negative towards me or they've upset me or they've, uh, you know, they've trod on a few eggshells and they've cracked a few and it's upset me. I had to learn quick that if you're going to get emotional around everything that happens around you and you're going to get upset when people throw a few curved balls at you, then you're going to struggle being a leader. Once I developed a thick skin, and I'm not saying that I don't care because I do care, but if I'm going to let other people hold me back through what they're saying, what they're doing, or, or things that are going to upset me, I'm never going to grow as an individual and I'm never going to be able to grow and take my business to that next level. So we have to develop a thick skin if we're going to become a great leader. And we have to accept that along this journey, we are going to come under, let's call it attack, from certain people because they may be jealous or envious or don't like what we're doing and we ruffle a few feathers and it causes a bit of friction. Well, I'm here to say that that's okay. As long as we do it in moderation and we're not going out intentionally to upset people, we have to develop that thick skin, let them arrows and that ammunition bounce off us and let's get our heads back up and let's carry on marching. So when it comes to developing a thick skin, how thick is your skin? Are you one of these business leaders that gets upset, that gets emotionally attached, that gets worried about everything and every comment and every situation that, that upsets you? Or are you somebody that's got a thicker skin because you've got a bit of wool on your back, you understand that you can't please everybody in life and in business, you take a few arrows, you take a bit of this ammunition that's coming at you, but you crack on and you continue marching forward. Score yourself between number one and number 10. Now, whether you like this guy or not, and I'm not here to judge, I'm just using him as an example. But I believe in particular right now as I shoot this podcast that Donald Trump must have a thick skin because Donald Trump, whether he's right or wrong in his decisions, he ruffles feathers and he upsets a lot of people. So he must have a thick skin to keep coming back from everything that he puts himself, he puts his, his dare say, his country through, uh, his fellow politicians and congressmen. He must have a thick skin because things just bounce off him, whether he's right or wrong is a different debate. But I believe that Donald Trump has a thick skin. So I pause and I stop again and I have another sip of water. I pick my head up and they're all there still scribbling down. I thought, Do you know what? They're actually getting lots of value out of this session and I've not even done my presentation yet. So I said, gentlemen, do you want me to continue? Yeah, Craig, brilliant. You've got four more steps to go through. Come on, we're ready. So step number seven, you have to stand out from the crowd. Whether that's you personally as the business owner, the business as a brand, your employees as a culture, 
But along the way, your business and you as that leader have got to stand out from everybody else. You cannot be vanilla or, or wallpaper and just blend into the background. There are thousands and thousands of other businesses that do exactly the same as what you are doing, all shouting the same amount of noise. So what are you doing to stand out from the crowd so that you're, you're a glaring light of positivity for other people to look at you and think, right, I want to work with this company because they stand out. And as a leader, you've got to stand out. You've got to put your head above that parapet and you've got to have the... The, the balls of steel, I suppose, to be able to do things that other people are not going to do. And again, if that means ruffling a few feathers to stand out from the crowd, to get other people talking about you, then so be it. As long as it's an ethical ruffling of feathers, then we're okay with that. But I stand out from the crowd as a leader because I do things that other people aren't prepared to do. How many other organisations like the Elite Business Academy have got a podcast, have got their own TV show that are doing everything that we're doing to stand out from the crowd? So on a scale of one to ten, as a leader, how do you stand out from the crowd? How do you get noticed in a good way? If you don't, you're at the low end of the scale. If you are, you're at the top end of scale. So just mark yourself down now, out of 10, how do you stand out from the crowd? Now, I'm going to tell you somebody that I believe, as a leader, stood out from the crowd, and he potentially changed the course of millions of people's lives in standing up for his rights, and that is Martin Luther King. He stood up against all that rebellion, against everything that was going off at that time. He must have had balls of steel to do what he did to stand up to a, an organisation and a culture where he wasn't accepted. And look at what fantastic inroads it's made all these decades further down the line. So I say that Martin Luther King is a great leader. Rule number Eight, lead by example. If you want to become a respected leader where people are going to follow you, then you've got to lead by example. You cannot be a leader that makes decisions and let's say something doesn't go according to plan where you put four guys or four girls in front of you to take the rap for a decision that you've made because you're not prepared to lead by example. You cannot let your team, your staff do a job, a role, If, in my opinion, if you are not prepared to do it yourself. Everything I've done in, in all my businesses, right from being a building contractor back in the days, listen, I've been knee deep in mud and crap and and sewage, digging foundations out, showing my team that, listen, I'm prepared to do this. And if I'm prepared to do it, then so must you. So as a leader, we have to make sure that we are leading by example in every way, shape or form. That way, people cannot say to us, 
well, it's okay for you to say that, but you're not prepared to do it yourself. You do it. You show me how you do it. Well, listen, I'd be the first one to roll my sleeves up and get stuck in to show them that that's exactly how it needs doing and I'm prepared to do it. So I will lead by example. I don't shirk responsibility. I don't palm things off onto other people. I lead by example and I'll stick to my decisions. On a scale of one to 10, are you a person that are prepared to lead by example? Are you prepared to run through brick walls to show people exactly how it's done and the way you want it doing? If you are, you're a 10. If you're not, you're at the lower end of the scale. Now, I believe that this person led by example, a remarkable woman who said exactly how it was. She wore a heart on a sleeve and she led by example. And that is Princess Diana. Sadly, not with us any longer, but that remarkable lady came from, a, a, again, a different background into a culture that was completely different. She had people, she had a thick skin because she had people having a pop at her, but she led by example the charity work that she did, the people that she went to see behind the scenes that where the cameras were switched off. That lady led by example. Rule number nine, develop a winning mindset. To become a great leader, we have to have a winning mindset. Now, it's not a case of win at all costs and forget about everybody else's feelings and the carnage that we might leave behind. I'm not saying that. But as a leader, I believe you have to be a winner. You've got to develop a winning mindset. Because if you're happy being second, third, fourth, tenth best, then you might as well be vanilla and, and just fade into the wallpaper and never get noticed. I would always want to follow a leader that wanted to win, that wanted to win the race, that wanted to be the best, that wanted to be the first, that wanted to do things the quickest, easiest, slickest way of doing things. I'd want to surround myself with that type of leader because I'd want them leadership skills to rub off on me. I'd want to get motivated and fired up by being coached or being responsible or being in a team where we've got a great leader. And I don't think anybody can deny the fact that I have got a winning mindset. Not only is it a bulletproof mindset, but it's also a winning mindset. So on a scale of one to 10, as a winner is developing a winning mindset. How is your mindset? Are you happy plodding on? Are you happy being vanilla and blending into the background? If you are, that's fine. But it doesn't make you into a great leader. And the whole part of the whole point of this podcast is to give you some tips on what I believe that you need to do to become a great leader. So on a scale of one to ten, where would you rate yourself? Now, here's an example of somebody whose team I would want to be on. I believe that this person has developed a winning mindset. And if my back was against the wall, I definitely want to be coached, mentored and be on this person's team. And that person is Bear Grills. I'd want to be on Bear Grills's team side because I know that I've got more chance of winning, surviving, getting through, getting to the end of the line, getting to the finishing line, being on Bear Grylls' side than somebody else's.
My final step, step number 10, is you have to become a visionary. Great leaders are the ones that can see into the future almost. People who can foresee the next trend, the next thing that's going to happen, the next piece of technology, the ones that are forward planning, the ones that are have got strategies, the ones that are spending time looking and researching everything else that's happening out there in the world so they can stay one step ahead of everybody else. And if you can become a visionary in the business, in the industry, in the sector that you belong to, then you are going to become a successful business. And great leaders are the ones that always got a vision and are always 10 steps ahead of everybody else. And they leave everybody else playing catch up. Now, people can continue to try and catch you up, but then you're constantly thinking and planning and looking at another 10 steps ahead. So you always stay ahead of the game. So great leaders have got to have a vision and they've got to take massive action to get that vision into reality as quick and as fast as they can. Because if you're playing catch up to other people, it means you're not leading the race. It means you're not standing out from the crowd. It means that you're not making the right decisions. It means that you're procrastinating. It means that you sat on the fence. It means that you're not leading by example. So great leaders have got to have a great vision. So on a scale of one to 10, how good are you at becoming a visionary? How greater planning are you doing ahead to make sure that you stay ahead of everybody else? If you are and you've got ideas and you're implementing these that are going to keep you at the forefront you're at the top end of the scale. If you're not, if you're just doing what everybody else is doing or you're waiting for the next trend to come out and for people to test and measure and trial it, then you're going to fall way behind in business. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate yourself as a visionary? Now I've chosen a famous person for the modern world. And I don't think there's any denying that Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, is a visionary. Not only did he come up with the Facebook concept, but when you look at how Facebook as a platform is evolving and growing, you know, it's just incredible. The ideas that, that Facebook now come out with and the changes that they make and how they're trying to connect the world together is just, in my opinion, it's just phenomenal. So I would say that Mark Zuckerberg is definitely a person that has the vision about him. So what I'd like you to do now is go back to each of those 10 scores and how you've scored yourself over those 10 rules. Because effectively, you could be you could be 100, you could be 100%, you could be a 10 out of 10 in all 10 areas, or you could just be 10. You could have marked yourself number one for each of those areas. I don't know. But add them all up together just to see where you feel as though you sit as a combined leader with all of those rules. Now, I'm not saying that they are the be-all and end-all. They are just the rules or the attributes that I wrote down in this meeting, the first things that came to mind when I was writing them down. So I'm not saying they're right, I'm not saying they're wrong. And maybe you look at them and say, Craig, I disagree with you on that one, that one, and that one. And if I'm honest, I'd swap them out and I'd put this one in, this one in, and this one in. 
I get that. And if you want to do that, that's absolutely fine. But I just want you to add up your scores to see what score you actually end up with from my 10 rules. Now, I'm guessing that you've probably marked yourself further up the scale than down the scale. And rightly so. That's exactly what my inner circle members do when we take them through this process. Now, what I say to them is this. It's okay you scoring yourself as a leader, but it's not necessarily what you think that counts. What does count is what other people that you surround yourself with, it's what they think you are as a leader. So I know you've got this, what I would say is an overinflated slightly score, and that's okay, that's fine. It's a great starting point, and version one is better than version none. But to find out the real score, what I would do is I would print these out. I would print out these rules on a scale of one to ten. And I would hand them out to your family members, to your business colleagues, to your employees, to your subcontractors, to your freelancers, maybe to people that are involved in your business. And I would ask them to honestly score you on what they think you are out of 10 in each one of those 10 rules because it's only when you get other people's opinions and their scores back that is reality that is what counts not necessarily what you count so to find the best score the accurate score ask other people these questions and see what they come back with and then you might notice a trend happening You might notice if you hand it out to 30 people that 26 of them all say that you are weak in one particular area. Well, that's brilliant because then we know that we can improve on that area and we need to spend a little bit of time and effort focusing on developing that one particular area. Likewise, they might come back and they might give you glowing reports and growing scores on four or five of the same areas. If that's the case, then you know that You're doing well in that area and there's no real need to improve it. What we need to do is invest the time on looking at the areas that we're not particularly good at and we need to improve and increase those. So let me take you back to the conclusion of the story I've shared with you about this secret meeting. So I've I've now finished my 10 attributes as they call them and I've got them out and I've delivered them with passion and I'm sat there a little bit out of breath. And I look up at them all and the room just was quiet. It was quiet. And I said to them, gentlemen, you know, how have you found that? And they went, Craig, that was brilliant. We have learned so much from what you've just said. Areas of, of our business that are standing out straight away that we know we can improve on, not just as them as leaders, but they were on about their management team. And they said, you know what, we've learnt, we've learnt so much from you today. We're so glad that you came. I said, hang on a minute. We've not even started my presentation yet, but we'd run out of time because we spent that much time on it. And I'd not even done my presentation. But here's the proof in the pudding for me. We wrapped up that meeting. We all connected with each other on social media platforms. We all swapped contact details. We shook everybody's hand and, and, and off I went back to Sheffield. And within three weeks of that meeting finishing, four out of the 10 contacted me directly 
and have asked me or approached me about me going into their organisations and bearing in mind these are multi, multi, multi-million pound turnover businesses with hundreds of staff and they've asked me to go in to deliver what I just delivered for them and other presentations all on leadership, not only to them, but also to their management and their consultant teams because they've seen a different light. They've seen it from a different angle. They've not seen it necessarily from the corporate angle, which is what they've been coming at it as over all these years. And like they said, it's okay us bringing in these high-flying corporate HR companies and trainers and leadership and management and development companies. But they said, Craig, they all talk the same spiel. They all use the same language. They all refer back to the same content and the same books. Nobody has ever mixed it up the way in which you've just mixed it up and how real and passionate you've just said it all. So now I've I've made appointments now to go into these four companies in, in a polite way to smarten up their management and their leadership side, when in actual fact, they've been paying tens and tens and tens of thousands to management consultant companies to deliver that for them, and it's not been working. So I'm not saying this is right. I'm not saying it's wrong. All I'm saying is it works for me. It works for the Elite Business Academy. It clearly works for our members in particular, our inner circle members, And now it's starting to have an effect in the corporate world and the corporate climate. So I just wanted to share these 10 rules or attributes, as they were calling them, because hopefully this will help you to become a better leader. And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, it doesn't matter whether you're leading your family, whether you're leading a community, whether you're leading a sports team or a business. At the end of the day, we are all leaders in our own right. And I hope this podcast has struck a chord with a few of you and you now know some areas that you can develop on to make you become a great leader. I would love to get your feedback on what you've thought to not only just this particular episode, but any of my other podcast episodes on the value and the content and how you feel the content that I've shared is going to help you moving forward. So if you could please leave me a comment or a review, if you think it's deservedly of a five-star rating, then please rate us at five-star. But if you could please leave us a review and a comment, it would be great because it would help our podcast get found by more people. Don't forget you can subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite apps from Apple, iTunes, to Podbean for Android users. We're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're also on our YouTube channel. So there's plenty of opportunities for you to get to listen to the podcast. If you've not already got involved in our Facebook group and our Facebook community, I really encourage you to to join our group. Why? Because not only do I put lots of content in there, videos, uh, posts, blogs, vlogs, podcasts, into the group. The group is now shared by thousands and thousands of other positive business owners from across the world that are all networking, building up new relationships and contacts, but also they're sharing their valuable knowledge on business to help each other. I'd encourage you to go over to www.facebook.com forward slash groups 
forward slash Elite Business Academy. On the final note, I want to say a huge thank you for you investing your time into listening to this podcast episode. I really hope that you've got some value from it and it helps you to become a better leader. So until next time, I'll see you over on our next podcast, but thanks for joining me and I'll see you all soon. Thank you.